let me have a quick introduction. So why don't we, uh, guys, uh, why don't we start with the reads? Why don't you tell us who you are and where you're based? Hi, good afternoon. Uh, my name's Hugh and this is my wife, Alison. Uh, we are based in Ballymena, which is 30 miles north of Belfast and 30 miles north of us is the North Coast. They've been married for 29 years and we've got four lovely daughters. Molly is 20 years old, Grace is 18, Olivia is 16 and Emily is 12. And we plan to met on her vineyard in November 2019. So good. Brilliant. So good to see you guys. And then Kimmins's. Uh, so we are Chris and Nick, but answer interchangeably. Um, <laughs> and we are from Ashford in Kent. We planted uh, about 10 years ago uh, out of South End Vineyard in Essex. Um, we have three girls between us. So Chris has an old, older daughter called Marth. And then we've got two girls, 10 and 11, and soon to be expanding our family through fostering. So, um, so yeah, but we love Kent. We love Ashford. Um, and yeah, I think that's us. And the mutant coronavirus strain was not our doing in no, Kent. It's we not refuse actually. to accept that label. <laughs> this will not uh, be what we're famous for. No. We, we, don't, we don't blame you. <laughs> we are Neil and Janet. We don't answer, answer interchangeably. <laughs> and uh, we are the pastor of Causeway Coast Vineyard in Northern Ireland. Uh, we started leading this church about three and a half years ago, and we have a gorgeous little son who's building Lego in the background of this seminar, who is called Caleb, and he's nine. Absolutely. So we want to jump in uh, and just look at this. We've called this, there's boldness in the fullness, and uh, we just want to unpack uh, just a lot of all this. And so I want to lead in and just give a bit of a background, a bit of our uh, kind of laying the foundations of this thing. You're going to hear from uh, the two teams here from Mid Antrim and from Ashford as well. And then we will take some questions um, that you can be, be throwing in there the whole time. And uh, yeah, let's do it. So really throughout history, what we've seen in the church is there's been this tension that's been felt between the church and its relationship with the city or the community that it's based in. Now, if we had a longer time today, uh, we could spend hours, right, talking about the different swings and shifts that there's been in that but but in the time that we have what we really want to do is just talk in the in the more kind of more recent history of where i believe we've been as the church where we think we're moving as the church uh, and how we can begin to to do some of this now we're not going to be able to cover the fullness of all of this and like any session at this conference we are not experts we're simply presenting ideas as explorers as people who are learning how to navigate this here constantly trying to do it um, and, in, and in this we seem to, we always have these things that are wrestles in it. And I want to read this quote from Eric Swanson and Rick Rousseau. They say this, they say, leaders have a way to hold two seemingly contrary things in their mind until they discover the solution. And that's what it is to be a leader. It's to grab ideas that, that seem to be so different and wrestle with them enough, of course, with the Holy Spirit, until we find the solution and that's ultimately what we're trying to do in this session and with this topic now we all agree that uh, those of us who are following jesus and i'm guessing that's most of us uh, in this seminar all of our desire is 
to really carry out the great commission that Jesus gave his disciples, right? We, we, we want to do that as best we can. We can all agree that we want to see every knee bow and every tongue confess the name of Jesus. We can all agree that we want to partner with God in the restoration of all things. I don't think there would be much argument with any of that, but whilst we agree with all of that, as the church, we've had very different approaches about how we achieve that call, okay? So how we go about that call, how we make it happen, that hasn't been something we, we've always done in the same way. And I wanna just sketch two different ways that, that I've seen us do that. The first way um, is around church growth, uh, evangelism in, in, in what we've kind of known in the more traditional sense. And really it was probably about 15 or 20 years ago that I first became aware of the term church growth. Uh, truth is, I hadn't been a believer for very long, and I never thought about whether a church grew or not. I just thought a church existed, and it always had, and it always will, and that's just what happened. But the more I began to read books, the more I began to learn about it, and I saw these churches that just worked incredibly hard at structuring and ensuring that that their churches were growing, that they were seeing people come into faith, and they, they had strategies and all sorts of things that were in place. It was incredible. And you see that even today, right? We see churches that are reaching thousands and thousands and thousands of people in, in, in services and gatherings, obviously not quite in COVID seasons, but, but we're doing that. But we're also seeing them coming to faith, right? They, they were reaching people at levels that were mind-boggling to me. I grew up in a place with very few people. And so the numbers they were reaching were like 100 and 200 times more than the population of the, the kind of small village I'd grown up in. And, and so this was crazy to me. Um, and, and it was incredible and it still is incredible. I'm not pouring any cold water on any of that stuff. It's phenomenal. However, the challenge of what we saw in that approach was that often, even though that there were great numbers that were gathering, the wider community or cities around those churches was actually completely no different than what it had been beforehand. Mm -hmm. So of course there were exceptions, but what we began to realize is that having a huge gathering on Sunday or Saturday evening or whenever you had it was wonderful, but it hadn't actually changed anything about how the city was between a Monday and the next gathering that was happening. So while it was great that they were gathering, nothing else was altering. So the church in the smallest sense of the word church may have been thriving, but the community was diving, right? So we, we could see this great thing happening on a Sunday, but, but the rest of the week, the city was a mess. Rich Nathan, many of you know, uh, he's just actually transitioned, I think, um, Columbus Vineyard out in the US. Um, probably one of the biggest uh, kind of vineyard churches in terms of gathering people. This is what he once said about this. He said, we need a larger target than simply building a great church. We want to live in a great city. We don't want the church to simply be an oasis in a great desert. We would like to live in a city where people are not shredded as they go to work in their companies because the moral environment is so dehumanizing. When people walk out of the doors of the church, we don't want to send them back into places in our city that are plagued by gangs. We don't want to send our kids to schools where they're afraid of being attacked or where little learning takes place. We want to send people of this church into a city that has brilliant access to medical care, where there's an availability of jobs, where races get along and understanding prevails. And really what, what, what he's saying is that ultimately he'd realized, and we've all realized, that great services in large numbers, even people giving their lives to Jesus in large numbers, wasn't the fullness of the all things new reality that we had hoped. It was good, so good. It still is so good, but it's not the fullness. It wasn't everything. It's like that. I, mean, I know they've got a new catchphrase show now. 
Um, but it used to be the old catchphrase with Roy Walker, and he used to say, it's good, but it's not quite right. And, <laughs> yeah, so and that's ultimately that's ultimately what's going on. So what began to happen then was a move of the church towards the city. So we realized nothing was shifting. So the church began to move towards the city. We, so we began to set up compassion initiatives, food banks, debt counseling, schools ministries, mother and toddler groups, like so many other amazing creative things. And, and you guys and all of us that are part of the vineyard movement, some of the expressions of that are just amazing, just wonderful. We've seen how important that work in our cities has been, especially over the mm -hmm. last 10 months. Yeah. And it's going to be right over however long COVID and the effects of COVID are felt uh, in in this nation and in our nations it's so vital the church across the uk i can't remember the stat i think it's like it's definitely hundreds and hundreds of thousands if not millions of people who would be going hungry right now mm. who would be in, in in dire straits if it wasn't for the role of the church it is phenomenal now whilst this move of church towards the city now in some ways it's still in its infancy when you compare it to the church growth kind of evangelism strategy that we talked about at the start but I also believe that there is a danger that all of this wonderful activity will still not see us move towards the fullness of everything that God is calling us towards. That yeah. simply setting up food banks and all of these things on their own, that that's still not going to be enough unless we are clear about how to approach it. Unless we are clear about how we do it. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let me explain. We, we said we've got a nine-year-old son and he's uh, sitting over there. When I think about him, I have thoughts about his future. So there are practical things when I begin to think about his life that I really want him to have access to. Right? I hope that he has a great family and good health. I hope that he gets a great job. I hope he makes great friends. I hope he doesn't have that many painful moments in his life. I hope he finds a great church that's his home. Um, do you know, I, like that, that would be my dream, just practically. I, I want all those things for him. I want him to have those things. Now, I could, and Janet and I could spend all of our lives, I could spend it working long hours, saving all of my money. I could travel. I could do anything that I could to make sure that I have provided all of those things for him to make sure I hand on an inheritance that means that he has all of those things. The problem is he could end up having all of those things at the end of his life, but never know his dad. Yeah. So I could have given him everything and he could say, I've got all this stuff, but I don't know my dad. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know who he actually provided. I don't know what he's like. I, I don't know how much he loves me. And so in, in my busyness to provide that, he may never know the desire that I have for him to, to love Jesus, to, mm -hmm. to, 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 to know me, for us to spend time together, for all of those things. Now, if we move that kind of thinking into how we view our communities, our cities, our towns, whatever size of a place that we live in, I wonder, are we in danger of doing the same? You know, could we have such a desire to provide everything for our cities, food, water, mm -hmm. shelter, all sorts of help, and we should. Mm -hmm. But we could maybe have a desire to do all of that and as we're doing it, forget to introduce them to their father in the process. Forget to introduce them to the one who, who, who made their food, to the one who can bring transformation. And I worry that if we push this city model without understanding that, that we're going to end up in a situation that's actually really, really difficult. I want to ensure that these things that we want to help them with, that we want to serve them with, that we didn't just do it because we thought it was a good plan. But we did it because we have a father in heaven who loves them deeply and wants mm -hmm. to see that they're loved on earth, mm -hmm. right? So 
but but he, he, here's going to be the rub for those of us that are doing. I know so many churches are doing such great job in their city and in their time and to do this. Here's here's the difficulty. We will feel a pressure as the church to show the results of the gospel, but not the reason for the gospel. Okay, so we'll be under pressure to show the results of the gospel, but not the reason. So everyone will clap us for our food banks yeah. and our debt counselling and what we do in the city. But we'll be under pressure to do that without ever sharing why we do that. Yes. Um, so again, to put it a few different ways, people will want our charity, but they won't want to hear about our creative. They will want our help, but they won't necessarily want his healing. They will want practical change, but they may resist spiritual formation. Or as Mark Sayers would say, our culture might want the kingdom without the king. They want the results of the kingdom. They want all of that, but they may not want the king. And, and, and what you'll find if you're a church that, that's doing this stuff, that we will find resistance when we start to partner with city agencies, with, with government, with all sorts of things. And they'll say, hey, we want the good stuff we do, but we don't want it to be about the God stuff. Yeah. And there'll be this pressure for us. We felt it here at Causeway Coast Vineyard. We still feel it, and I think we'll feel it more, for us to actually, as the church, to potentially hide or compromise our faith in order to love our cities. There's a danger, isn't it? And I see the guys are nodding as well. Mm -hmm. that, that, That there's a danger that we could go to that place. But of course, that's not we what we want, right? That's not at all what Jesus has called us to do. We want communities with fuller bellies and fuller hearts. We want lower crime with higher faith. We want better schools and bigger miracles. We want thriving economies and thriving services. We want all of it, right? We want all of it. Or to sum it up with this phrase, we don't want better believers with no sense of community, but we don't want better communities with no sense of belief. Right? We, we don't want better believers, just that we're all better Christians with no sense of the community around us. But in the same way, we don't want better communities that have no sense of belief. We, we need all of that. We need all of that together. So important that we begin to do that. Now, how do we do both? Right? That's the big question. How do we begin to do it? But this is where we feel the tension because those things can feel like opposing forces that are vying for our attention. But there are these two things that are pushing and we can feel stuck in the middle. And then the tension that we feel as the church is that we then settle for what we call a theology of balance. Mm. And so what we do is we say, well, what we need to do, we need to do a little bit less of that in order to do a little bit more of that. We need to pull that thing back in order to push that thing forward. And what we try and do is we try and balance this kind of thing. And then we're left with a choice. So either we decide we have to be fully there or fully there. Or we settle for this kind of hybrid pastel shade in the middle, right? We settle for this kind of thing that that actually is neither fully one or the other, but kind of takes a little bit of each. And, and, and we're all kind of happy enough with it, but it probably isn't everything that we really wanted, right? Because that's what a pastel color is for me. <laughs> <laughs> we, want humbly, we want to humbly suggest that we can do both, that there is boldness in the fullness, that these are not pastel days for the Church of Jesus right. Christ. These are not pastel days for the Church of Jesus Christ. See, when we look at Jesus, we don't see a theology of balance. Balance. We see a theology of fullness. Yes. Okay, we see a theology of fullness. In the kingdom economy, Jesus didn't have to reduce one thing in order to do another. He wasn't balancing out the stuff, right? So feeding of the 5,000, he feeds the hungry practically, but also supernaturally. Mm-hmm. He doesn't pull back one to do the other. He healed physically, but he restored spiritually. 
He dealt with someone's sin openly while still loving them fully. Jesus was not a pastel character, right? I don't think we can describe Jesus as being pastel. He was bold in how he dealt with people. He did not practice a theology of balance. You see, balance is only required, of course, when we feel these two opposing forces. When two opposing forces come, that's where we want to balance it out. So the tension between what we've traditionally thought is the church stuff uh, and the city stuff has the balance. But here's the thing. In the kingdom, there is no tension and therefore no need for balance. So in the kingdom, there's no, there's no tension in these things. This was one and the same for Jesus. This was all of it. So therefore, there was no need for balance in his Word. So even when we have those, those phrases, and, and the reason I've been uh, reluctant to use the phrase for church mm. and city is actually, I don't think they're separate. Mm. I think that, I think it's all. I think the church was supposed to be all of it. The church, the people of God were supposed to be everywhere, but yet we've shortened that word into what we do on a Sunday or yeah. a Saturday or whenever our services are, or whatever our small groups are, we said that that's church. Yeah. And then this is the city. And, you're, you're, yeah. <laughs> and, and so that, that's the kind of thing that people say, how many people are in your church? And we would say 59,000, which is the population of our community. No, 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 but in the actual church. Who's your core? 59,000. Yeah. And you're like, oh, if you're asking who's gathered with us on a Sunday, okay, we can answer that question. But we must use the word church in the widest sense of yeah. where we believe that God defined it to be. So it's got to be all of that. We can't neglect one and push into the other. We've got to always be doing both. We've got to always embrace all of that because that's what church is. That's what it was always designed to be. Now, we have to teach ourselves how to embrace that fullness because, of course, we are not Jesus, right? We're, we're, we are not the Son of God. We are not perfect like he was. And so therefore, there's a journey for us to work on this. There's an adventure that we uh, must take. And, and as we talked about this, and as Janet and I talked about this, you, you shared just a great analogy that I think is really, really helpful. So why don't you, you share that? Okay, so I, um, I think in pictures. And so whenever I can have a clear picture of something in my head, it really helps me get hold of a concept for somewhere else. So um, this picture helped me loads so I had a friend who I have a friend who had uh, like about a two-year-old child and she was expecting her second child and I was chatting to her at one point and just you know asking her how she was feeling whatever but the baby coming and she was really nervous she's like I have my child already and I completely fully love them with my whole heart and I'm nervous that when my new baby comes I won't feel the same amount of love for my second child as I do for my first one. And I don't want to share the love that I have for my first one with my second child. I just feel nervous about that. So a few months anyway, after the baby came, I was chatting to her again. And I was like, well, how's it all going? And, you know, getting to know this new little one and whatever. And, and how's your heart? Do you know, like, how's the sharing going? And she just was like, Janet, it's amazing. There is no sharing. I don't have to share the love that I have for my first child with my second child. I, it's like I've now got a new heart. I've got two, like it's double capacity. It's just like the love, the fullness of love that I have for my first child, I also have for my second child. It's like I love them both with my entire heart, both of them fully at the same time. And I just, for me, I just think that's what it is to live in the kingdom of God. That's what it is to follow 
God and the, the limitless God that we love and that we follow. We don't have to sacrifice one for the other. We don't have to pit one against the other. We don't have to share the love that we have for one with the other like it's pastely, like Neil was talking about. We get to fully love all as one. Our hearts get to double so that there's enough that we can embrace that fullness of um, the limitless God that we love and that we serve. Yeah. And absolutely, he's, he's a limitless God. That's how he can love each of us individually, but also corporately. It's how he can listen to the prayer of a small child in one corner and still be dealing with the crisis in the other side of the world on a massive level because he's a limitless God. And and, and that's the God that we follow. That's, that's the Holy Spirit that we partner with. Yeah. Now, I want to bring in the other guys because really all we've done is just open a box of lots of questions and not really given any answers, but that's why the rest of the guys are here. So they're going to actually teach us uh, how to do it. Um, so as they've already said, so we, we, we've got Nick and Chris who um, Ashford Vineyard, I think 10 or 11 years ago, you guys planted there and they've been taking this journey. And so they're just going to share um, for, for a few minutes, just some of what they've learned, how they've began to navigate that. And then uh, we thought it'd be just really good to hear from Hugh and Ali here at a, again, a different stage of churches. So Cosmico's Vineyard, we've been around for about 20 years. And so the guy's about 10. He and Ali just planted about four months before lockdown uh, kind of started the perfect time to plant the church. Um, and so we're going to go to Chris and Nick, um, and then, then we'll go to Hugh and Ali. So guys, do you want to just talk to us about how you've navigated this journey? Sure. Uh, and we just want to give the same disclaimer as Neil and Janet did. We we are just learning too. And I mean, we think to some of the things we did right back at the beginning and and just say, oh, wow, I can't, I can't believe we actually did that. But we did. And I think one of the things we, we have become known for, for good or bad, is for starting a choir uh, within the local community. And, and that was hugely successful. Um, still, I mean, it still is, not that we've sung for ages, but... Um, hundreds of people in total have been through that choir and, and very early on we we were wrestling with the question well we came here to plant a church uh, we've got about 10 people who we know are either walking with God or might be interested in walking with God and we've got about 130 people in this choir that sing pop and rock uh, and so that was definitely something for us early on that caused us immediately to ask those questions of where is what is the church? Where is the church in this? Uh, and I think as the as the years as the years have gone on, we were given some very good advice at the time uh, from Jim Dennison at Canterbury. Actually, he said, "Go where the grace is," mm -hmm. and we said, "Well, do you know what? The grace is definitely on the choir. We can't argue with that." And over the years, we have seen a number of people from the choir come nearer to the fire. Um, some people have said yes to him and got baptized. Um, many people will ask us to pray for them. Uh, some people come in and they say, heard your talk on Sunday. Yeah, really good. And they walk past you and you go, <laughs> no, you were, what did you know they listen? Wow. That sort of thing. And that's, that's all, a, that's all a privilege. But I think, um, a couple of things we've, we've gone through is absolutely. We have felt this pull into wanting to so make a difference in Ashford. And if Ashford isn't going to be different because Ashford Vineyard is here, then frankly, we should we should just shut up shop and um, and spare Ashford the pain. Um, but ultimately, if we want to see God's kingdom come and we want to see all the fullness of heaven arrive in Ashford, that is going to mean ultimately people saying yes to him 
and therefore us being willing to introduce the kingdom realm to people. So we had a, a just a quick story um, a few years ago now where we were um, we were transporting some furniture and furniture isn't really one of the things we do mainly because you always have to transport it and you have nowhere to store it most of the time um, and we um, we arrived at this house and we were uh, I think we were delivering a wardrobe uh, and then we arrived at this house to discover it was a block of flats uh, and the wardrobe was too big to go in the lift um, and I will never forget carrying that wardrobe up the stairs and and we came out of that and the question then comes up what are we doing just carrying a wardrobe? I mean, this, the people need way more than us giving them a wardrobe. They could get a wardrobe from Ikea, you know. And the, and the, the wrestle for us, and then the, the kind of realisation, the recognition, we never, you're never just carrying a wardrobe. We mm. carry the spirit of God into that place. And it was so more. And you know what? We prayed that they will be blessed every time they open that wardrobe door. And we had a conversation with them and we connected with them. I, I, honestly, revival didn't come. The strings didn't play. There was no altar call. They didn't kneel on the floor in front of the wardrobe and give their lives to Jesus. But, you know, a deposit was left there. And we absolutely totally believe that. And that's just one of many, uh, many times a similar thing has happened. You're never just carrying a wardrobe. Yeah, and I think just a quick example, something we're seeing as we become bolder in this, we, we definitely found ourselves as we looked at what Asher Vineyard was doing with this city stuff. And then there was more the God stuff, the church stuff. And we were hungry to see those things come together more. But to be completely honest, we didn't always know how to do it in a way that wasn't strange or disjointed. And, and a lot of that was about confidence, I think. Mm. Um, I love Jordan Seng's talk this morning about trying, like that sums right. it up. Um, and what we're trying to do, one of our projects that we have, which we're hugely proud of, is the Beehive. It is a town and um, it's a town centre, secondhand clothes boutique for women. Um, it's a boutique and a cafe and it provides free clothing for women who need it, personal shopping appointments, um, a place where people can come and find uh, job experience to go into jobs. So that's very city focused. But our longing is that people come in and as they put those clothes on we see physical healings breaking out as they sit at the table and have a coffee they find peace that is supernatural um, oh. and we wanted to see more of that and what's what lockdown has done for us is the shop has had to shut and it's created a, a moment of pause for that team to think how do we keep inviting the supernatural keep pushing both pedals as you said neil it's not about balance how can we do a bit of this and a bit of that it's like how can we do it all in the beehive yeah um, and they recently did a training session for volunteers ready for the shop to reopen and the vast majority of volunteers at the shop don't follow jesus mm. but we do often have people come into the shop who ask for prayer and so this time for the first time the team decided to offer a training session of how to pray for someone even if you don't know Jesus or don't believe it works. Yeah. And they actually put a session in for the volunteers of what do you do if someone walks into the shop and says, I'd like prayer? Well, of course, there's an email address or a phone number of the church if they want that. But as we've said, the church isn't something the other side of Ashford. They've walked into the church. And we genuinely believe that it's possible for volunteers who don't know Jesus to put a hand on someone and see them set free. And there's some of the ways we're trying to ask the question of how can we push both everywhere we go rather than just look at balance and one or the other. 
So, Winnie, just one more thing. We are sometimes ask wibbly questions, uh, which are what would it be like if questions. Um, and we have a couple. Uh, one of them is what would it be like if social services in Ashford actually closed? What would that actually look like? And not because they're out of money, but because there's, there's nothing to do. Mm -hmm. um, and we also we ask what would it be like if there's that moment when as the trains come through Ashford as they're about to go to uh, the continent as they come through Ashford the the train door opens and miracles happen in that carriage for no reason other than that train had the privilege of coming through the city of Ashford um, barrenness goes in a moment. It's like it's this combination of the absolute practicality and the absolute inbreaking of the miraculous. Yeah. So so good, guys, and um, just really, really, really helpful. Really helpful examples, and I can see people uh, commenting that already. Uh, Ali, you obviously you guys haven't had ten years to establish clothing shops and all sorts of different expressions like that. But I know you guys. We know you well. You've been active in the community for a long time. Uh, but talk to us a bit about how that's working for you guys as a new plant and um, wanting to, to do all of it, wanting to do all of it, to see people meet Jesus, to gather together, to, to love your community well. Talk to us a bit about how you're navigating that at your stage. Well, um, as you say, uh, we're only started uh, 15 months now. Um, last time, about two years ago, we got... Um, the call to uh, plant uh, a vineyard in, in our town of Balamina. Uh, the previous 10 years, we were at Causeway uh, Vineyard. So uh, the DNA has always been with us. And we always wanted to bring that new life um, uh, thinking of uh, Vineyard Church to our town in Balamina. So God had spoke to me. Um, I farm. I milked cows and he spoke to me in the mountain parish says now uh, I think you should uh, plant a church and I said to Alison about it and she sort of said no <laughs> and uh, we didn't mark it down the calendar but here we are uh, 15 months in and, and we're now started so um, November 2019 I thought you know how does this look like so with a couple of good friends, we spent time with them, went out and had meals and stuff and started talking about what that's looked like. And we need to get a core group together, like-minded people who were, had a heart for our area. Um, and we thought of different people, and of course, God has different thoughts. And he introduced us to our core team as we went along. It wasn't who we thought it would be. And... These were amazing people. So we started gathering in a wee barn we have converted here. Uh, Alison's a music teacher. Um, and we started exploring what God thought, you know, what, what it looked like for us to start planting. So um, with a great time, and then we took this decision of we'll, we'll get started with Sunday services uh, as a starting point. Um, so we hired this community Hall and, and Balamina. We thought we'd probably start in a wee barn, but we soon realised we'd soon outgrow that. It'd only hold about 20 or 30. And then we thought with well, this uh, small room and this uh, community hall would hold 60 or 70. And then we were advised, well, actually, that'll not work either because you'll soon outgrow that. 
So we have an anti a sports hall in the community centre and we started off with a hundred people, all with that sort of same desire of wanting to um, worship God, but yet bring something to the city as well. So we got started and everyone was going well for four and a half months and then lockdown and immediately we had to learn how to do it all online, which was quite a challenge because I'm not techy at all. Uh, but Alison managed to get us up online and we have uh, we have had some crazy feedback of people watching what we're doing and, and, and it's all been it's all been great so far. I have a couple of stories I'd love to share because we're we're all about the stories in our church and I also loved uh, Jordan saying this morning. So yeah, we're just trying to figure all this out. I think we all are at the minute. So, but right at the start, we'd only planted and it was only about a couple of weeks in and we were just including the staff at the center, just as our friends and as our church, you know, they were working in around the fringes of what we were doing. But so I'm down in the kitchen at the back having a wee cup of coffee at the start of church. And I started chatting to this guy and he was, I was like, tell me about your life and, you know, just making friendships and relationships. and. He was talking about his son and that led to me offering to pray for him and it was lovely we went ahead had the service and then i got a wee tap on the shoulder at the end of the service um there's a lady in reception would like to speak to you so immediately i'm thinking oh no i overstepped the mark <laughs> i go into reception and the lady working in reception said um you prayed for my colleague in the kitchen i went yes and she says well could i have prayer as well now that resulted in going into her little storeroom right at the back of the reception area <laughs> and basically calling on the Holy Spirit to come and she received complete healing from chest pain that had been annoying her all morning. Uh, she, during the week, God was really, really, I don't know, he, he, he tapped on my shoulder again to have her share her story of what it felt like for her to experience the presence of Jesus in the reception area in the North. And I'm thinking, oh, that's a bit risky. But we went with it anyway. And she shared her story because in that moment, what actually happened was she ignited faith in our church community that actually she's just somebody working in the reception. We're just a brand new church plant. We're trying to figure this all out. But when the presence of Jesus comes, just all of this is available. Yes. So that was that was the story from then. And then my most recent story about learning to embrace the fullness. And I love this whole subject. Neil and Janet, thank you for bringing this. Um, so I, I had a friend in our church community who sadly had lost her father. And I phoned her and I said, look, I, I just would love to come and see you and pray with you. Um, she agreed. Um, I was going wearing my church leader hat, which our guys, our friends, Neil and Janet, know that's still a bit of a different fit for me. It's like a new pair of shoes. We're just trying to wear them in. And so I was praying all the way there. I'm like, Lord, I just want, I want this to be about you. I want you to, I need your voice here. I just, you have your way here. This feels a bit awkward. Um, so I went in, um, the room was very somber. She was there with her daughter and her best friend. And as my church member starts to talk about her loss, all I could think about was her friend. My whole attention was on her friend. And I really felt the Lord say, I don't, you know, this, this girl doesn't know the Lord. She doesn't know Jesus. I'd love for her to enter into a relationship. And I'm going, no, 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 no. I'm here with my compassion. Oh, not my evangelism. Man. This is totally inappropriate. We're just not, let's not go there. 
But at the end of our meeting, I uh, we prayed together. It just became more and more strong. And so I had to, it got to the point I had to say to my friend, "This is I want this to be about you to honor you and your loss. But do you mind if we just pray for your friend?" So she was all for that because she loves Jesus, and she. So we started to pray for her friend. And actually, what happened was when 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 I asked, "Could could we pray?" Uh, my friend said, you know, well, actually, it'd be great because she doesn't know Jesus. So that was me right up to my neck. <laughs> I had to go ahead and I basically just turned to her and said, what's keeping you? And, and that led to her, she, she came to faith, wow. led her to faith. Amazing. And, and what, I, what I left was more like a party rather than a week. And my head is going, I don't know if that was appropriate. <laughs> Because I was going with my, you know, with compassion and reverence and all of that. And God just decided to bring someone into the family of God. And so for us, that's just learning to embrace fullness. I think for us, it, it's it's awkward, but we embrace the awkward. And we have a wee saying in our church, just to keep pressing in, we keep saying, you know, we're that annoying. And we really are that annoying. We want to see God move. And if it's awkward, we're willing to take the awkward hit because when he comes it's just worth it and it all makes sense yeah. in his yeah. heart so that's our so just great. so helpful and if we if we had longer guys we, we could we could have them tell more stories and we could tell stories of that about how we just try and embrace the fullness of all of that and and as they've all said this, we, we get it wrong right there's been times where where we've we've probably gone you know we've goodness we, we've tried to share the gospel and tried to pray for someone in the most inappropriate moment but maybe you know it didn't work out the way Alison's story did and and people got really annoyed at us and I think we have agendas and all of this sort of stuff and then we, we've got something that's gone the other way where we we have without meaning to not spoken out about maybe something we should have in order for city partnership and and so goodness if you're listening to this and i want to echo again what i said and chris said it was that we really are explorers and we really are trying to work out what what this is and yeah. and how how it works but but ultimately what we want to encourage all of you whether you're a church leader whether you're volunteering in your church whatever role that you have you are the church yes. and and let's not settle for balance let's go for boldness let's go for fullness let's let's try and embrace the whole thing not let's not get so scared that we don't take a step at all mm -hmm. let's just let's start marching in and let's start doing that now i know there's been as you guys we've got some some time left now about 15 16 minutes apparently i've been told that hopping will just pick us out at half past whether we want to go or not so there's not the ability for us um to continue over that time so if this gets cut off um, then I do apologise. We didn't, apologize. We did, yes, we didn't just get I don't know if there was questions. Uh, you guys were maybe watching for questions coming through. Is there any have come through already? Just one. So just one that I saw, which was from David, which said, how do we move from being food providers to telling people about Jesus? Which I think is a great question. Great question, yeah. Brilliant. Well, you asked it. I'm regretting writing the question. Um, yeah, I think for me, I've always remember some brilliant teaching we heard from Jay Pathak, uh, who's a vineyard pastor, ages and ages ago, talking about this idea if you just talk about what you love, that actually, if you're going to start talking, it, you don't have to smuggle in Jesus. That's a phrase we use um, here. Is that it's not like I remember starting to work out how you do this kind of faith 
and practical at the same time and thinking, well, if they leave and I didn't mention the J word, I've failed as an evangelist, you know. <laughs> but actually, I think what you'll find with if someone's coming to you for food, they're coming with a natural point of need. They're coming with a natural point of actually vulnerability because they need food. And so I would say just being able to show an interest in their life and their story and ask, I would always start with it, drawing a story from someone. Yeah. Tell us about where you're at. Tell us about what's going on for you. And you hold a message of hope on the inside of you about Jesus. So I think it, it's a natural outspilling of talk about the things you love rather than feeling like you need set questions. I'm just not someone that really works from this pattern of have some questions stored up. Like no. For me, draw a story, show compassion and then bring a message of hope. And then you can talk about how you have that message. I've seen that in my life when God's done this for me. And it, then it doesn't become weird or awkward. So I think it would be love well, draw a story, and then don't be afraid to just share what you love. And they're not your project. Yes, yes. absolutely that. So if they leave with food and show no interest in Jesus, you've loved well because you've given them food. So I could say lots more, but I think I'll just say that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think that's really good. And I, yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I would always say that, you know, what we've always tried to do here is never hide our agenda. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've never, never tried to pretend or hide something and then slip it in last minute. Honest. It's like, if you remember some of those kind of posters that you used to see sometimes where someone said, come to a church and there's going to be a band night. And then so all of your friends come for this band night. And then what they didn't tell you in the posters, there's also going to be a 20 minute gospel presentation yes. at the end of that band night. And, you know, they call it being bad. And, and we've always we never wanted to take that approach. So even if we wanted to do a band night, we've just said band night and preach at the end. Right. Yeah. Just be open and honest about what we're doing. Yeah. And so when we, you know, so I see there's a question in there about uh, partnerships with local churches. Um, and I think I would just add to that in any partnership, you know, whether it's with the church or with anyone else, obviously with the church, it's, it's slightly different. But when we partner with cities, we're always really clear about our agenda. So yeah. we really clearly, look, we, we believe that Jesus is the one that will bring change to this community. And then what we'll say is, we know that you might not believe that. But let's, let's partner on the thing that we agree on right now, which is we want to help the kids in your school. We want to help the hungry in this area. We want to do this we want to do that but what we've done is we've said really clearly we, we believe it's Jesus yeah mm -hmm. right we're not hiding that in any way but we but let's work together on the thing we might agree on right now and what we find most times when that's happened is then we will say that we're not going to preach at everyone that comes in we're not going to do that but then what happens is as they notice people transform as they as they meet with us they say actually could you tell them about jesus we yeah. found that people who do go to your church or go to a service seem to do better than yeah. those who don't <laughs> and and actually we find even schools actually asking us to share more about jesus because yeah. they see the transformation but also partner with with other churches um nick i don't know if, if any other guys have anything for us honestly probably something that we haven't done really well at if i want to be 100 percent honest um and that's because the this kind of missional approach of wanting to reach everything in that hasn't been something that either we haven't explained well mm. or has been misunderstood it's probably both right and um, misunderstood by local churches um, and so uh, but what, where we have been able to do that is around food provision that's been yeah. one of the ways that we can do it. we supply now like a bunch of other churches 
um, in in this area, and and we can now food food bank satellites in that. Um, and so yeah, our tips for that is is again, way about the elephant in the room really quickly. Um, and you know, because we we know Northern Ireland, we have a lot of traditional you know kind of expressions of of church that have been around for a long time. And and so what we do is we just say it really early. Hey, you might not agree not agree with how we approach these issues and that issues and all that kind of stuff let's put that aside we love the same god here mm-hmm. we want to reach people in our community let's partner with with that and that that would be what i would always lead with um to just call that thing out there um and, and be really clear about what the expectations are on that and we you know and, and we'll be really clear say, hey our goal is not to get everyone who gets food back to causeway coast vineyard yeah. we just want them to meet with jesus right so whether mm-hmm. Presbyterian Church, the Baptist, the Methodist, the Church of Ireland, yeah. or Church of England, wherever it is you are, we don't really mind. We just want them to meet Jesus. Yes. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's what it's going to be about. So, Nicola, with that question, I guess that is. Can I just add a tiny bit to that? that? I think if we're partnering with other churches as well, I think it's we don't want to just partner with anybody just for the crack, like just for the sake of it. Sorry, just for the crack is the most Northern Ireland thing I could have said there. <laughs> <laughs> is what that means um, but we want to we want to be partnering with people who have the same vision for for the vision of the vision that god has given us as a church so we're clear in our vision of who we're called to be as causeway coast vineyard and we're humans and we only have a limited amount of time each week and so anytime we partner with anybody else it's got to be to fulfill the vision that God has asked us to complete in this area. Because if it's not that, then we're spending our time doing something that God hasn't asked us to do and God hasn't called us to do. And so while other churches are doing phenomenal stuff and amazing kingdom things, if it's not what God has called us to do as the church, then we have to say, I'm so sorry, we can't partner in this, but go for it. We're cheering for you. But it's only because we're limited in our hours of the day and energy and all that kind of stuff but when there when there are churches or agencies or anything like that who are wanting to um fulfill the vision that god has put on us as a church then we're in do you know that that makes it an easy partnership thing. yeah no it's can, great can i have a try at the mandy stop there's a question from mandy oh please mandy, stop. Can I have a quick go at that i'll do my very best how do we keep our credibility with local councils and other services while we use our foot in the door with people uh, practical provision to share Jesus with them. Um, I think it's exactly what uh, Neil and Janet have said already. You've got to be WYSIWYG that what you see is what you get. Don't don't say you're going to do a band night and then do like this massive epilogue at the end. That's just dishonouring of people. Um, so we would say definitely always, you know, what you see is what you get. And, and we do what it says on the tin. And I think the other thing is, um, for when it comes to, we actually have a really good relationship with our, our local council, very good. Um, and we know a number of people from the local council. We really do our best to honour our council and big them up. Yeah. But I think there is, you can't easily, um, you can't speed a relationship up. You can't really have microwave relationships. And so some of these people at the council, we've walked with for some time. And so we have, we have um, somehow grown in favour with both God and man sort of thing in those relationships. And they have come to know that if Asher Vineyard say they're going to do something, then they'll do it. And equally, if they can't do it, they'll say, no, we can't. Mm. So we've worked really hard to try 
to do what we say we're going to do and not add things on and we'll be up front with them and we'll say those things so i think mm -hmm. some of these things you can't rush if you've only just met someone you it's going to be hard to expect them to trust you those things do just take a bit of period, a period yeah. of time so that's yeah. a uh, absolutely it, it takes time it really does take time because they will have had other they come with their own impressions of what the church has been or has done in the past and so we're dealing with that a couple other questions we've got kim is asking how about some covid friendly ways of relating to those we are feeding in this season because it's so difficult shouting through masks we all know it's not an easy it's not easy to have conversations um guys any wisdom on on that <laughs> or not? That's a tough. That's a tough. One. That's a tough one. Like for us, we're still just really forging ahead with just building relationships. And so, what we're finding, because we're so young in our story, um, at the minute we just have people coming, uh, like messaging, and just it's exploratory. And we're trying to work out what can we do. And capacity is a big thing that we can't overstretch. But yet we do have people that whose heart it is to, to reach out and help. So I think what for us as a church plant, it's just a, every neighbor can reach a neighbor, you know, so it, it's sort of like everyone can strike their little match. And if we all just do that one thing, that little right. thing, just like checking in on the neighbor, it's just really, really simple. That's actually, you know, if we can just ignite each one of those, the light would be blinding. That's kind of where we're starting from. So for us, we just want to encourage each of our guys to just do that one little thing and just be a really good yeah. neighbor. Um, so yeah, so I, I think we, we here have also done, and again, we are blessed that we, we have a space here that we are able to do lots more of this. So I realize this may not be open to everyone. We, we have, as well as food bank and just that kind of crisis provision, we have a space where people want, they can come in and grab a coffee in a more quieter environment where we can, be socially distanced and actually have a, a more um a better conversation and mm -hmm. uh, we also provide like a, a a kind of phone service as well so yeah. people who need more support maybe maybe you could get them to fill in a card if they mm -hmm. would like to um minister and talk a little bit more about what's going on someone could give them a call later on um, do you know we so so things like that can be really really helpful in this season uh, i know cap debt counseling at the minute yeah. a lot's happening over the phone and that as well so you know we're trying to use i guess the, the technology that we can being mindful that some of the people that we're reaching don't have yeah. um, maybe the technology able to to log into zoom but but most people you know seem to have a mobile phone or some means of, of accessing that uh, and so maybe maybe trying to set up a, a kind of a space where, and again restrictions change at different times yeah, in different yeah. places and what what you can do but those are some of the ways we are trying to wrestle with that but there's no doubt that is so hard so so hard um i want to take uh, we've got about four minutes i know we've got christina i think put a question when so many in our church are struggling themselves how do we look outwards um and not inwards such a good yeah. such a good question and such a challenge and absolutely something that we're um, experiencing here uh, as well. Yeah. We're in a time where people have such low margin, right? Yeah. We're all, um, you know, like even now we're finish, trying to finish this seminar and I can see my son is now climbing on the chair, trying to do something. And we all have these margins that are lower and it takes so little, you know, we talk to some of our staff and more emails come in and they want to burst into tears. It's, you know, we get that we're in the, this season. I, I think 
probably what's helped my understanding in this is I think in the uh, what we've probably gotten wrong in the church is that we've taken this the idea of being inward as kind of recovery healing and and that and outward has always been spending yeah um actually i don't think it works like that i think it's all together right so the idea of breathing in and out is at the same time right you breathe in you breathe out you breathe in you breathe out. you don't breathe in for four years and then breathe out for the next four no, or else you would, you would die it doesn't work like that. <laughs> so what, what we what we what i actually realize is there's something that happens actually that when we go that, that actually we will, there's a margin, even though we're spending energy, even though we're doing, there's something of life that is given to us yes. on the mission. It's um, John 4, when uh, the That's disciples it. come and they, they say to Jesus, would you eat some food after he's been with the Samaritan woman at the well? And Jesus says, I have food that you know nothing about. Yeah. And the disciples go really practical as I would. It was like, has he got like a secret store of kettle somewhere? Like a, <laughs> yeah. and, and actually what he says, my food is to do the will of, the, of my father who sent me. And then he goes on to talk about the harvest. And actually yeah. what Jesus is saying is that, hey, we don't just get fed, to use that word, whenever we are sitting, reading books, yeah. receiving prayer and doing that, even though that's great. We actually get fed as we feed, That's right. and I think there's something that we have to do with our, with all of us as the church in understanding that. And of course, I get that there are seasons and times we're about to get kicked out of this. That that isn't always possible, and maybe emotionally, or or you we're really struggling yeah. in a place, and that's totally fine. That that really is. But I think we have to understand that that it, that it's not just a matter of we rest as we go inward. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I think it's the together. secret weapon of following Jesus. Secret weapon of following Jesus is that whenever we give our lives away, is when we do better. Yeah, that's good. That would have been much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, guys, I'd love to to pray. Apparently, we are going to be kicked out. So I would just love to pray. I know there were so many questions that we didn't get to. Um, please do. You can email at goodness any of our kind of church offices or or, or whatever. <laughs> Ali and you, do you have a church office? Uh, or just <laughs> you have an email Email cows at But I would love to pray for us all. So why don't you yeah. just for as long as I'm allowed to before the session kicks us out? Holy Spirit, I just pray for each person um, who's watching this, either whether it's live or they're watching this later on. God, would you teach us how to embrace the fullness mm. of the kingdom? Yes, God. God, would you teach us, Lord, to, to yes. push into all that you have, Lord, mm -hmm. that we wouldn't be people who settle, Father God, for a pastel expression yeah. of the gospel, Lord, that we wouldn't be people who settle for balance, God, that we wouldn't be people who try and hold back, God, that yeah. we would be people who push into everything yes. that you have for us, God, that we would yeah. see thriving cities and thriving services, God, that we would see Come full on, bellies sir. and full hearts, yes. God, that yes. we would see people, Lord, bow the knee, Lord, yes. and give their yes to you, Lord, that we yes. would see structures grow and strengthen, God, yes, that God. we would see schools improve, yes, Lord, Lord, in their learning that businesses would thrive yes. and cities would look more beautiful than they do today god yes. we want it all because lord we know in you we can have it all god mm -hmm. it's the restoration of all That's things yes, not some things not a few things not one or two things but all 
things. And so, mm -hmm. Father, I pray, Lord, over each person, Lord, who's been a part of this today, Lord, that yes. what we've seen here at Causeway or Ashford uh, or Mid Antrim, God, that it would be multiplied, Lord, it would yes. be traveled yes, and God. 10 times, 100 times more what we've seen, Lord, would it multiply yes. right across nations, mm -hmm. uh, Lord, and cities in, in the context represented here. So, Lord, we love you mm -hmm. and we thank you for who you are. And we just pray it all in your name.